Welcome back to the second part of Nick's story. My name is Nicholas McInerney, and this is Rainbow Dad's Series 2. So you've already mentioned the sauna, and I wanted to ask you, did you, have a, did you go into a massive sweetie shop situation where you were kind of suddenly being able to explore things about your sexuality in ways that you wouldn't before? Or were you quite cautious? I was probably quite cautious, I think. Yeah, I wasn't compared to maybe how I have been since that yes. point. Um, so back in those days, very, very cautious, really. Um, but just that ability to go, okay, I am a gay guy. I'm going along to somewhere. I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm not pretending. Yeah. I am that person. That in itself was huge because the person used to go along without that was a different person. It was like I was being sneedy. I was sort of sneaking around behind their back and it was sort of that had gone but it's fascinating because you referred to an idea about a gay lifestyle as sleazy and seedy mm. but yet you and i both know that in the right context sleazy and se seedy can be absolutely what one wants oh i t totally yeah. agree and especially yeah more so these days that mm. is more of who i am and mm. more who i identify with but back then it would have been the complete no that's not who i am that's not who i could be So when David mentioned your name, he talked about you having some treatment for sex addiction. Mm. And immediately, of course, I thought, this is just fascinating. Mm. How do we define it? What's the journey? Can you tell us something about that, what happened there in terms of, you know, be becoming more interested in, in perhaps more kind of esoteric kind of... Uh, and yeah. that, that journey so well because it's it, that's something that I also have a personal experience of mm. and I think it's just fascinating because I think it really touches on something to do with us as gay men the notion of the theatre and perform the, mm. the theatre of sex yeah. is something I find very very powerful yeah. so I would just be interested okay. to have your uh, take uh, on that less treatment more about awareness of my need to have sex I yeah. suppose um, and some of the trigger, I think, for that was, I mean, this is obviously many years later after all this happened previously, yes. but um, a, a relationship where it went, my first proper gay relationship that I had, and we went open after two weeks of being together. So that was my very first ever experience of, of that and wasn't part of what I thought was going to happen, but that's what, what happened. And was, was that a mutual decision? Or uh, was that Probably mutual in the sense I agreed to it, but was it what I was looking for or... or what I wanted, maybe not, right. but I was open to exploring something. Curious. I was curious to, okay, let's just give this a go then. I don't really know what it is. Let, let's exper experiment and let's play with it, really. But he was somebody that I loved and cared for. So it was one of those things that I, I, I sort of threw myself into. Yes. But how that manifested itself was w over the years, we got so open that we're just having sex all the time, you know, just, it was just constant sex. Um, with others in groups in all scenarios yes. sex just become this huge huge thing um, that was part of our life and it was the main part of our life in lots of respects um so through that i just yeah experimented explored went to loads of different places and my my thirst and hunger for it just got stronger and stronger and stronger
tell us about HIV. Mm. Because that obviously absolutely relates to... Oh, yeah, yeah. T- totally. Um, and when you think about life-defining moments, that was one of my big, big moments in life. It was one of those, th- those fears. And I think rewinding back to my days before I came out and accepted being gay, that was a big thing that you it saw all around does, you. It? That, yes. God, if you Death get that, sentence. you're going to die. Yep. And being brought up in the... I was born in the late 70s, so around that time, I was still young, I suppose, when the big campaign was going on. It was a real big thing back in the 80s. Yes. And not really immersed in what was going on at that moment. But my connection to it was you get it, then you die. So that was a real big thing for me, which I think impacted me coming out as gay because of this that, that, that disease, really. Um, so the, the relationship I was describing where we were open, we'd separated with split he had finished with me and then literally four weeks later i got diagnosed with with hiv um do you know where you um, picked it up from no idea um but at that point i was having sex all over the place going to different places unprotected sex so yes. again i'm very my perspective i'm very pragmatic i was having unsafe sex unsafe sex yeah. and having lots of it so i'm like yeah, the I mean, I, it's going to happen. It's going to happen potentially. It could there, happen. There, but for the um, grace of God, go of course, I. Yeah. And you know, I'm I, I'm on prep at the moment. Mm. But you know, obviously, I had to have all the tests and everything. Mm. And absolutely, you mm. think you just think when you go for the test in order to uh, qualify to go on, you just think actually, do you know what? Chances are, of course, you know, you're, you're having that fun, so you know there's always a risk. Yeah. But I was always very good at getting checked up. I'd go for checkups every three months. Yeah. I was on a regular pattern i get checked up on it um i would work in london quite a lot of those days so i'd always go to um to the, the walking clinics you can get checked up just like that so yep. there was never i was very aware i'm playing like that i need to make sure i'm, I'm so you safe. were you were again being responsible oh, about taking the test responsible but yeah. still being that person having loads of fun and, and being naughty I but i put really. down a word here risk i mean risk is part of the fun isn't it y- yeah it, it was a risk that i suppose i was willing to take um but a very stupid risk to the degree where I caught HIV. Mm. Um, and I can remember, and it will, will always stay with me, the, the, the nurse who did it uh, in the clinic, and it came up, and he just you could just see he reacted, and he started sweating, and he got really nervous. And I was sitting there just going, I know what's happened. It was one of those instant tests yes, that were quite know, new, know basically. It's the longest minute of your life. It, yeah, it, it happened, and you saw it in front of you come up, and I just saw his reaction. And he was like, oh, it's, got, it's gone wrong. It must have not worked properly. I'll go and get another one. He was really, really flustered. And poor guy, it was the first clinic he'd done. I think I was the first guy that it happened to. So I could just tell what's happened. And I was yeah, very rational about it, very calm. Just And I, my whole life, so just within a few seconds, just changed, really. Did you have an expectation? Were you half expecting that to happen? I wasn't expecting it, but I wasn't. I was like, well, it could have happened. And guess what? And who... Here's a difficult question. After the end of a relationship, because I've certainly had self-destructive mm. sex when I didn't care, really, whether I caught it or not. Yeah. Was that something that was also part of the equation? Were you having lots and lots of sex as a way to try and, I don't know, bury the whatever it was about your relationship? Was there a self-destructive, slight self-destructive element? No, not no. at all. It was, it was just healthy sex. Yeah. So when, when I look back at my life and those things, and I hear lots of people describe things where they were destructive or they weren't happy with their lives, there was none of that whatsoever. Everything I was doing from a place of, I think, a very sensible, considered... Sex positive. I, I wasn't unhappy. Yeah. I wasn't doing it from that place at all. Okay. Um, I'm not that type of person and never yeah. have been and never will be that person. Um, 
but one thing that I did reflect on not those first few weeks was thank god I've got HIV I'm relieved that I've now got it and I'm not worried of catching it after all these years of worry of potentially I could catch something and that sounds awful and I'd never wish that on myself if I had that choice but there was an element of I've now got it I can't change that I live in a world where you get medication and people don't die from it medication I'm okay I'm gonna live I mean that was as simple as I went into that moment of a bit similar to I've accepted I'm gay I now need to be honest and leave yes I did the same thing with HIV and I, I thought I knew about HIV I didn't know anything um, that I, that, well, I knew stuff, but I didn't know what I should have known by that point until I got educated. Um, and I can remember going to that workshop for the weekend and there was guys that were, as you described, very in a bad place with it yeah. and talking about various things. And one of them was like, how, how do I take a tablet? How do I do that every day? How do I make sure I take it on time? And how do I take it for go out for dinner? And in my mind, I was like, it's one tablet. You take it, end of, you move on. That, I mean, that was my mentality was, it's very simple. You take medication, that's it. You're kept alive and you have a normal life. Um, so I saw other people around me who were in very different places, but I was nowhere near that. So, but I, lots of guys, for example, have huge then have huge issues around self worth and attractiveness and whether anyone's going to desire me again. Was that something that you went through? I went for a phase. So I had I didn't have sex for nine months, maybe, which is big for me <laughs> uh, that's huge really but, but because I was so conscious of making sure my HIV was under control I could yes. pass it on to somebody else there was a real it wasn't a stigma it was more my okay I need to put myself in a bit of a place just to cleanse myself for a period of time um, but from being diagnosed to getting confirmed two weeks later I went on to medication straight away they asked the question I said no the reason why I wouldn't take it was yes I'm going to take it and then six weeks after that, I was undetectable and yes. completely safe. So I went straight into place of, right, I need to make sure I'm safe for me, but also safe for others. Um, so, yeah, I, I never went into that place of self-deconstruct, de I suppose, really. I just went straight into a yeah a place of just being realistic around the right. situation. Um, and who was the first person you told? My, my ex had split with me literally four weeks right. before that, really. So... And he was overly supportive, and uh, as he still is today, and we're we're great great friends, and I love him to bits. Really, we have a really really good bond and a really good relationship. So he was he was there for me um, all the way through, and, and still is. And how did it um, affect your your attitude towards the kind of sex that you were having? Has it made you put your foot on the accelerator, or put your foot on the brake, or has it changed? We were t when the microphone was off, we were, we were talking a lot about that, and I'm, as I said, I talked about the theatre of sex. I find that mm -hmm. fascinating, uh, and uh, you talk about your own enjoyment of exhibitionism. I, I, I'm exactly the same. The whole notion of performance, the idea that we get dressed to have sex, <laughs> I find it's kind of sexy, but also ridiculous. Mm. For me, I it feels a very normal thing, but normal for me now. But that wouldn't have been the normal for me 20 years ago, back in the day of that person that was trying to work out if he was gay or not. That would have been like, oh, God, I'm not that sort of person that would terrified wear leather that or stuff. wear lycra or go to a sex club or do those things. So, But that that is about experience, being curious. Outgoing. Things, outgoing. Particularly I put outgoing. myself in situations where I just go on my own and do things. So but, you, will, you will go on your own, will you? Oh, totally. Wow. I never ever questioned that. I just jump jump in and go for it, really. Uh, and then that's probably over the years got stronger, and I've got more confident. 
the nature of what I do, my career, I'm that type of person. Um, but so I'm not afraid of being around people, not knowing people, uh, put myself in situations because I feel I'm a person that's controlled. If I feel at risk or unsafe, I withdraw from the situation. But that doesn't stop me putting myself in a situation first. So your professional expertise and experience dealing with strangers in a strange room it's, has allowed you to go into a dark oh, room totally. at a sex club and totally own it. I own it and just go go with it really. And being single now, what six years this year, and I've had six years worth of probably not the first few years, I think, but latterly. I'm not hurting anybody with anything that I do. If I hurt somebody, that's a whole different ball game. But anything I choose to do in my life, and that's not about being gay or straight, I think, in general, isn't it? As long as you're not hurting somebody, then that that's okay. Um, and we talked a bit about the nature of the sex, and I said, you know, the orgasm was really not that important to me now. Maybe that's the result of growing older. I'm 60, okay, so never to be... There's a bit of kind of, you know... You know okay, just like Sisyphus pushing that rock up the hill. But you were also saying that it's become less of a focus and important for you. Yeah, I think over the last two years, um, yeah, I, I, I don't need to be turned on physically yes. um, if I want to describe it that way it, I go into myself and I it's all about my emotion and my body and how I'm experiencing something and my joy from that um, it's less about yeah an orgasm potentially for, for, for me mm. um, I, I just love that environment of putting myself in scenarios but to degree where one on one stuff doesn't work for me at all I, right. I can't I can do it it doesn't do it for me whatsoever um, and that's, I'm very aware of that, and I've got to watch out I was going to say, that. does that worry you? It does, yeah, because I'm single, I want to be in a relationship again. I've been battling with what I have become, maybe, in sense of my sexual lifestyle and how that fits in with what I'd love that, in theory, relationship and be in a loving relationship and yeah. having everything that, that brings. But I keep battling with that's not who I am. I'm trying to put myself into this. I meet somebody, we live together, we have sex together, and we do the usual things. Yes. That's not me now. It's interesting because partly you're describing something that would be incredibly exciting and appealing to many guys who haven't quite walked through that door yet. Mm. And yet at the same time, naturally, you know, one wants, you know, the porn star sex, but you want the cuddles as well. Uh, of course. What about your daughter? She's 21 now. Yeah. Um, does she, she knows nothing about, obviously, about no, daddy's, no, daddy's she, little doodahs. No, or she's, got, she's probably got no idea. Um, yeah, I, I don't, and I'm okay with that. No, no, I'm, no it intention. Is, it's, you know... I, it's, I live in a very private way. I'm her father. She, she wouldn't disapprove of any of it. I know, based on what I know of her, I don't think she would do, but it's not a conversation that I feel that I need to have with her. She she doesn't know about my status. I've chosen not to, to yes, tell her, okay. but I um, I battle with that because um, I feel that I want to be honest and open um, with, with with her about that. So I my plan is to have that conversation when it feels appropriate to have the conversation. Yes. Um, but so far, there's not been the right time to have that conversation. And 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 it's it is a condition that is under control. Oh, and yeah, totally, completely. Yeah, yeah I'm un 
on medication, I'm detectable, I get a checkup every six months. And the reality is for me that I'm probably the most looked after man or gay guys with HIV are looked after so well. And very thankful for that in today's yes. world, really, in the country we now live in. Um, so if anything was to become bad with me, it will get found out quite quickly. Yes. A lot of guys don't yes. have those checkups. You're in the system and they have oh, regular, yes. Of course, yes. yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we, we never had those conversations she doesn't necessarily know any of the things that I would probably get up to, um, but that's private f f for me uh, and, and the life that I lead. Yes. Um, she would never have known we had an open relationship previously, um, but doesn't need to know that. They sort of, I don't parent it in that way, I suppose, for me. I always thought with my children, the best way to approach any of these subjects is to answer their questions when they ask you the yeah. questions. So yeah. that they don't need to know about certain things, but they may ask you, mm. and then you then you try and be as honest you well honest as you possibly can. Yeah, of course. So, and we've had a few conversations over the years. I mean, there's one that sticks out, which she would have had when maybe she was 17, 18. I think it was we were driving back down from Manchester back down home, and she said, "Dad, can I talk about why you left and why you left me?" Right. And I nearly <laughs> veered <laughs> off the road a little bit because it hadn't seen it coming. And I, to that point, I never. I've not, I hadn't approached the conversation around what yes. happened because I left when she was very young and she was brought up in that situation. So I never felt I needed to talk about it because yes. she grew up with her dad being gay and always being there for her. But I knew at some point when she was ready, uh, she'd want to have that conversation, which we which we did. Um, and that was a big moment in our relationship where you could just see it got deeper between yes. us because she was able to ask me the questions around yes. why I left and and what happened the events in your life have really allowed you to bring out your character haven't they yeah, yeah. i think so yeah. yeah it's a really really good point yeah. yeah i think that and sometimes people are overwhelmed by events in their life and it kind of forces their character down and i think that did that for me for a while when i was in my 40s ironically but for you it seems to have been the thing that's really allowed you to define your character yeah 100 yeah. percent. and it and to the to degree where i mean my father passed away two years ago now and that was another moment that had happened where I did my usual thing of right let's face into the situation do the right thing have the right conversations yeah. do what I, what I want to do to provide the right sort of approach really so um, I wouldn't have been able to do some of those things if I hadn't had other things happen to me you yeah. know that it's your strength of character yeah. um, and I think as a as a gay dad going through our journeys and our stories they're all tests of of character aren't they really um, yeah. you either choose to get knocked over by it or you just pick yourself back up again and work through what do I do to make it better um, brilliant and being happy that you don't get it right you get it wrong and you I think I might say to you a bit earlier where I said to my daughter there's no rule book on how to be a gay dad how yeah. to leave a relationship with your wife how to be a gay guy with yeah. a kid and navigate through that there's no rule book around any of those things so you just you do what you think is right which goes back to my point around doing the right thing yeah. and I believe our intentions are always positive so based on that if I have those beliefs that hopefully helps to go I'm trying to do the right thing here I think your point about there being no rule book for a gay dad is just the most perfect moment to end on so I want to thank you Nick Nick Mates thank you my pleasure. for being one of our rainbow dads thank you very much thank you. really appreciate it thank you
corners of the world.